Meet Diamond. She's a creator and coach based in Chicago, deeply passionate about changing culture and circumstances through safe spaces to connect with ourselves. Diamond talked to us about how she coaches people to experience ease and joy. She holds space for you to unravel, dance and rebuild as your innermost and highest self. We hope you will find moments that resonate with you during this conversation. We definitely did. Enjoy and keep rocking. Hello, everybody. We are again to record another She Rocks Global episode. I'm with Navisa today. How are you, Navisa, today? Hello, Maka, from a spring black Cape Town, South Africa. So good to spend some time with you and with our guest for today's episode. Yes, I'm very excited to announce our today's uh, guest. She's Diamond Weir-Jones. Hello, Diamond. How are you? Hi, I'm well from Chicago. How are both of you? <laughs> It's very young in Chicago today. Yes, it is. But I am here. I am here. <laughs> we are so glad to have you here. Thank you for your time, first of all. We are very happy that you can join uh, one episode of Shirox Global. We are very willing to share this with our audience. But for a start, uh, introduce yourself to our audience. Share who is Diamond Greer Jones. Yes, um, I am love and ease. And I hold space for you to master your good and align your life. My name is Diamond Green Jones, born and raised on the south side of Chicago. That's me. I love it. I love the way you introduced yourself, uh, how you started. But I also would like to know a little bit about your background. What do you do um, for a living, for example? Or what do you do to, to make contribute to this world today? Oh, such a big question. I feel like I've done many things um, right now this chapter of my life. Um, I coach. So I coach courageous and committed visionaries and hold space for them to master their own selves and what they define as their good in their lives and in their businesses. And we do that while centering the slow, the simple and the good and lots of ease. So that's what I do. <laughs> I, I'm so I'm I'm so curious around this word that you've already used twice, which is this word of ease. Um, how did you get to a point of deciding that describing yourself as ease and at the same time facilitating for other people to experience ease? How did you make that decision that this was the thing that you're about? And what does it mean really in practical terms? Yeah, so... When it comes to ease, my journey to ease has been one that has been, I want to say, very interesting at times, challenging and um, invigorating and just defining and redefining and reimagining my life. So I grew up um, on the south side of Chicago, love Chicago, went to school, everyone else, um, you know, majority of peeps in the city and growing up on the South side, it was at times not filled with ease. It was a lot of challenging moments, single mother household. Um, mom worked day and night to ensure that me and my siblings had everything that we needed. And so, and at the same time being raised in a household that was filled with family and feeling like, we could be and do anything that we wanted because that's what we were told and that's what we believed. And so 
from early on, I had this kind of juxtaposed um, idea of identity, an idea of what does it mean to live and create and how do people see you and how do you see yourself and how you define yourself in a world that is so bent on defining you for you. And so long story short, I went to Catholic schools, grammar school, as we call it here. I went to Jesuit school for high school, caddied, got a full ride, uh, ended up at Northwestern University, did my undergrad there, um, studied abroad in Egypt, and just did a lot of uncovering of identity and what does it mean to be a Black woman in society, um, a woman of color, how is color defined? How are we all defined outside of this U.S. context or this Western context? Um, and what does it mean to have community? What does it mean to create change? When I grew up, I wanted to be a witch. That was my career choice. I wanted to be a witch because I wanted to change circumstances. And I would be in the bathroom making my little you know, a little powder and a little chemistry set, DIY at home, just imagining, you know, what would life be like if I could change this or change that for someone? And I remember I tried to fly. It didn't work out. I ended up with two huge scars on my legs that are now thankfully um, gone. Um, but that was my dream. And I dreamt of going to, to different countries. And Egypt was a country where there were people who looked like me and it had lots of magic and history. And I love ancient history. I love it. I took Latin in high school and studied abroad in an ancient city and been traveling and being amongst ancient cities is something I love. And so growing up with that idea and that perception and then being told I could be whatever I want to be and then being in a world where they are so bent on telling you who you should be. I always questioned. I always questioned why. I always want to create. And so my journey through school has been a bunch of, all right, I want to get to college. Then, all right, how do I pay for it? How do I ensure that I can not be a burden to my family? Not that I was, right? They will tell you otherwise. But for me, it was, I didn't want that to even be a question. How do I create what's next? How do I create something from nothing, and so each time I set an intention and life in the universe put them in my path and that's how I explored. And so in college, I did a lot of, of, of self-exploration. I had uh, my degree in learning and organizational change. That was one, right? Changing organizations and the way that they think and the way that they work and what does change really look like as well as African-American studies because I wanted to know what does identity mean? How does it look? How does it feel? How does it work? in different contexts. Uh, so that all brought me to Egypt where I had the most ineffable time. I can't even really describe it. It was also my golden birthday year. And so I was in in love with, with life. And at the same time, having this kind of bluesy side of it, because, you know, you're going through normal things in college, breakups and figuring out who you are and all the things as well. So you, you have all those those mixes and matches. But returning to the U.S., I decided I didn't want to go through and get my Ph.D. I wanted to go into an organization and create change and create a sense of at the time I didn't have the word ease as a part of it. But I wanted to know, can I take these concepts that we are learning about, that people are talking about, people are fighting for and see how they work? What makes an organization give? 
in Chicago, philanthropy is huge. Philanthropy is something that you do, right? It is, it is a part of our core. And so what, make, what makes an organization give to another? What makes another human being say, oh, this cause is very important to me to the point where I'm going to give something of me to it, to then take this person or take this group to the next level of whatever that that level is that they define. And so again, along my journey, I've been a part of a lot of nonprofits as a recipient of their their work, as well as being a part of them and, and trying to help them further their work as well. Um, and so all of that was just bubbling for me. And so I went into an organization while I would be studying in school and getting on track for a PhD, I would be in organizations during the summer and working in them. And then it got to the decision again, no PhD, I want to go into an org and I ended up at an investment firm. Mind you, a lot of investment firms are the ones that have been giving and and um, being a part of a lot of nonprofit work in philanthropy here in Chicago. So I ended up at an investment firm. And there I wanted to go into talent development. I don't want to go into business development because money, all these other things enjoyed it, but I wanted to focus on the people. Can I create change? And so for me, it just so happened that I accidentally, I like to say I accidentally climbed the ladder. It wasn't my intention to become a senior leader of an organization. It just happened because I wanted to create. So I've been creating for a long time. Um, and along that journey of creation, I've had my own obstacles of finding out that I've been underpaid and having to be like, well, mm, don't like the way that feels. So what do I want to do about it? That's how I got into real estate and, and investing and owning my own property. Um, coming out of college, finding out that, all right, where are the spaces for women of color? For young women of color, those that are just out of school or just starting their career, whatever it may be for them, not even having to be traditional, where are those spaces? Most of the spaces were for predominantly white women, totally fine. For people who were well into their career, again, totally fine. And so Karen and I, that's where Karen Spears and I came together and we were both uh, Dan Murphy scholars. So we both caddied together and then we ended up being Chicago scholars together. And so along our journey, we were like, well, why don't we create something instead of waiting for someone to create it or helping someone create it? Why don't we create it ourselves? So that's how Let's Vibe was born um, in the sense of creating relationships and connecting and developing together. And so from there, we were like, well, how are we going to pay for things? How are we going to do things? And we just did what we do in Chicago. We asked. In the first year, we literally did not have to come out of pocket for anything. People were like, yes, you can use our space. You can... We will donate food. We will donate whatever it may be. And so we grew our community from just 40 women coming together. We just wanted to create a space for them to come together, connect and talk about what it is that they do, what it is that they want to do. To over the years, we've had over like 400 women locally and 1,500 nationally. And so that was the story of, of Let's Vibe. Again, didn't have the word ease at the time, but for us, we knew there was a global leadership and equity gap and we wanted to figure out a way to bridge it. And we love to do that by doing what we do best, connecting and creating space. Karen is very creative and I'm creative in the sense of creating programs and service and just experiences for people to come together and let down the walls. We don't like silos. We don't like clicks. So let's vibe was the opposite of that. It was 
coming together. And as soon as you walk in the door, we had something for you to to do so you can connect with another person, another woman there, another woman of color there. Talk about all the things. And by the end, maybe you have a new best friend. Maybe you have a business partner. Maybe you just have someone who sees you. And so that was that journey while I was also building out um, accidentally my career in corporate and changing culture and in the way that people just work together and collaborate. And a lot of amazing change happened there as well. And then I hit a point in my life where I was like, all right, do I want my boss's job? No. Do I want to have the schedule that I have? No. Do I want to continue spending a bunch of money on therapy just to create a sense of centeredness and groundedness? No, I love my therapist, yes, but no, right? It's like you being in, being on this path that a lot of people say, this is the path to be on and you're on it and you're checking off all the boxes, right? Like you've got money in the bank, bet. You have you've made it to senior leadership, bet. You have wonderful family, hubby, all the things, right? Bet. And then you wake up, you're like, I still feel unfulfilled. I'm exhausted. I don't feel like going into work today. I don't want to do all the other things. And you're still trying to figure out who the hell you are. And at that point, it's like, why? Why? If I can't create something after I've been creating my entire life and create something that feels good for me, to me, after everything that I've learned, done by this time I had my master's in product design and development management from Northwestern because I just want to know how other people create, how other people do things, right? How do you create a product that people love? All of that. If I can't take all of these experiences and make something out of it, then what is the point? And so for me, I've always been entrepreneurial. I've always been in the space of creation. I've always been asking why, and I've always wanted to change circumstances and I want to be happy and for me what it boiled down to was a sense of ease period yes I had this idea in the beginning of like the struggle everything like be on the forefront and it's just not who I am I am the person that will hold space create space and for those that are on the forefront I am the space that they can come to and be like all right let's hold space Let's re let's re-energize so they can go back out and do what they need to do. I'm the person that holds space for ease and centers that. So therefore, those that are creating, that are building, that are scaling can possibly consider what it would look like to approach it from a space of centering ease. And what I've come to find is not only in my own life, am I happier, more fulfilled and even more profitable, because that is also important for women. Like we can definitely talk about that. My clients are as well. And the organizations I work with are as well. And so that's something that was like, hmm, everyone's saying that you have to hustle, grind, and do it one way. Well, what if there's just another way? What if, what if there is another way that people can say, oh, I didn't think of that. Maybe, maybe I'll try it on and see if it's for me. Or maybe I'll try it on and see how I can make it mine. Maybe I'll try it on and see what this means for me in my life and my business. And so long story short, that's what led me to ease. And for me, ease is who I be, right? Love and ease and joy and wonder and all of the things that 
I feel that I am and I wake up every single day and I'm like, hell yeah. It's either a hell yeah or a no for me. And this is a hell yeah. I can do this. I can wake up every single day, every single morning and be love and be ease and create from that. And it doesn't matter what my medium is, whether I'm writing, in the session, coaching, healing, whatever. Up here talking about strategy, I'm here building out whatever it may be, product, service, etc. For me, it all comes from the same place because who I be is how I lead, is how I create, is how I live, how I love, and how my legacy will be. And so that's what ease means for me. I love this idea of owning the fact that you are ease, love, joy, because I think as so many people in our audience and even as myself, as somebody who, you know, tries to bring stuff to an audience is sometimes you get trapped into thinking that joy, love, ease are things that you need to earn or that they're things that are consequences of the hard work, the toil and the suffering. So I'm curious to find out when did you understand that, I mean, you've, you've described your career move in terms of, you know, what was the point? But what I'm trying to understand here is how do you help and facilitate for the next person to understand this? And when do you help them understand that now is the time to ask that question of what is the point? Yeah, for me, I believe that every single person, right? You are everything that you need to be successful. You are already whole. We just simply forget that we are. You are already love. You are already joy. You are already ease. We just simply forget that we are. Because we are programmed to believe that we are not, that we have to earn it. How can I, do I, why do I have to earn something that I already am? Something outside of me? This is me. This is who you are. Period. Um, I love Diamond. Um, while I was listening to you, I was also listening the thing about creating your own reality because in the way you talk about yourself and how you talk to yourself, you start talking about this process or this thing you find in your life about manifesting or intention, like... The thing about repeating to yourself where in which stage or state you want to be, like I think there's a lot of a practice there, and I also believe we can design the life we want to live. Um, but I want to ask you, what frightens you? What frightens me? I think for me, it's it's this constant thing that I go back and forth with, right? As being on my path of mastery of fear coming in. And that's normal. It's part of ego. It's what keeps us alive in most parts. And when there's not a bear chasing after us, it comes in, haunts us in our sleep, right? And so for me, it is all a practice. Life is the practice. The work that I do is the practice. And so when it comes to fear, the normal things, right? This idea of lack, this idea of, well, what if this doesn't work? This idea of, what if you don't reach your fullest potential? What if you don't reach your fullest potential? And I think for those that are high potential, high performing, right? Checking off all the boxes, you're like, well, what's the whole purpose? And so for a long time, my greatest fear was me not knowing my purpose, me not understanding my purpose, me not knowing if this is the thing I'm meant to be doing. 
And then I learned along the way, and it, man, when I say along the way, along the way, few decades, um, that for me, purpose wasn't a thing. It was a feeling. And if I had stopped and, and just listened to my body and listened to myself, my inner me, my inner self, my inner voice, then maybe I would have felt that a long time ago or been aware of it. And for me, it's the tinglies. I get the tinglies. Ooh, the tinglies. And the emotion comes when I am fully in my purpose, when I am aligned. And so when I am love and ease, I am aligned. I'm tingly all over. And so oftentimes, now my greatest fear is not necessarily having a great fear. It is me constantly attempting to master the fear. It's not just one. Things come up. Fear is continuously will come up. When you love something, then fear will appear. Love is on its own. Fear has nothing to do with it. But when there is fear, there's usually some kind of thing that you love that's attached to it. And it's constantly this practice of me centering my mind and remembering who I be. When I say who I be, that's who I be with a capital B. Not who I am, not my role, not my, all these other descriptions, right? I am love. I am ease. That's who I be. And so coming back to that. So it's not just one thing. These are things that are, that just come up for me. And I'm like, okay, I am aware now. Allow it, acknowledge it, and then allow it to pass. And then how do I get my vibrations up higher? It's a constant practice. That is the path of mastery. And when it comes to holding space for people and them finding ease, it's them on their own journey. I've learned now at this point, when someone is seeking something, they will find it. So it's not like me having to convince. I don't need to convince anyone where they are in their life. They are their most powerful creator. They are most aware of where they are. We all get to create in the way that we want to create, period. Now, when someone comes to me and is like, hey, I heard about you, X, Y, Z, or finds their way to whomever that they're meant to find, and they are ready to have space held with them to create something new, then that's where the magic happens. And that's where we're able to do that together. And that's where it comes in. I have four core agreements when it comes to working with anyone. And the first one is come as you are, no expectations, right? You get to leave them at the door. I don't go look up people because oftentimes who we are, we're still trying to figure out how the hell do we describe ourselves, right? Can I really get a picture of you from your LinkedIn profile or even your website? I can get a glimpse maybe, but I'd rather someone come in and tell me who they are, who they be. And if they don't know, we uncover that together, right? And this is in my relationships in general, not just how I coach. This is just it. So one is come as you are. Two is commit. This is space and time for you. This is you creating for you. So we're committing to this time. We're committing to this space. We're committing to this investment in yourself. Three is play, laugh, dance, cry, create. We're going to play. Play is how I found that I didn't have to find my way. It found me and I found it at the same time simultaneously. Through play, that's how I ended up here. Of like, oh, I can feel my purpose. Now I know what I want to create. 
Now I know how I want to express it. And believe me, type A, trying to be perfectionist, I am a Virgo as well. So playing was not in the in the things to do list for a long time. It wasn't until 2020 in January where I hired myself a coach. Yes, best coaches oftentimes have coaches, right? Where I uncovered that I simply needed to play and just play for the sake of playing. And you think about it, when was the last time you played for the sake of playing? Simply because you wanted to play and something nudged you to play. And so play is huge. That's the third. And then the fourth one is hell yeahs only. It's either a hell yeah or a no. And I say that it's either hell yeah or no. Even going into anything for me, especially in the season of my life, it's either a hell yeah and, or it's a no. And the no is perfectly fine as well. It's wonderful. Because then I get to say hell yeah to the things I want to say hell yeah to. Then the other person gets to say hell yeah to the other things that they want to say hell yeah to. So in those four agreements, an agreement is both ways or multiple ways, not just one way, not an expectation. Expectations don't feel good, right? But agreements, you're like, okay, I can play with that. Yeah. From that space, then we get to create. Then they get to define who they be. We get to hold space. And my role is to simply hold space for that to happen. In my life, that's really what has been leading up to now and what it continues to be. And it may change tomorrow or the next day, but I'm flowing for the first time in a long time. So I'm curious to find out, Diamond, when you talk about holding space, that's something that comes up as a concept. So I'd be interested to figure out how you define what holding space means for others and perhaps for yourself. And also, what tactic do you then apply when sometimes you just can't hold space? So holding space for me is really about presence. And when I am holding space, I am, it is if I am space. It is if I am the space. I am not necessarily the container because it depends on how we want to create. I love some good creative constraints, but it depends, again, how we want to create converging to diverging. So for me, I imagine my sacred shape is a circle. And everyone has their shape or their little nook that makes them feel like the most cozy and snuggly person in the world. And so I imagine in this case, I'll give something super tangible, a circle. And I imagine that I not only, not only am creating the circle with them, we are in the circle, and also I am the circle. And so me holding space is me being present to the point where it feels that we are one. We are one. And I am so fully present that I am listening And oftentimes I am completely silent and I am listening and I am holding space for whatever happens to happen, for however you want to create and express happens. This is your one space where you get to simply be whoever, whatever you want to be, create without judgment, without notions of, oh, I have to do it this way or, oh, she may think of me this way. No, our four agreements don't allow for that to happen. 
And in those moments where it feels like space cannot be held for whatever reason, then I simply become present again, right? I am, my role is to hold space and I take that very, very seriously in the sense of I honor that role. That is a privilege. I get to hold space. I get to hold space and be space for another person to be a reflection. And so in those moments, right, thoughts come in. We're human. Thoughts will come in for me, right? Things will come up for me and I have to be really present with myself to come back to center. And the awareness allows for that to happen. Now, let's say something happens where I can't hold space in that moment. For me, it's, well, what can I do in order to do so? I don't believe that I can never hold space. And so for me, it just becomes a question of, all right, then am I creating space? Am I holding? It's like two sides of the same coin. And the moments where it may be that I can't hold space, if that thought comes up for me, if that fear comes up for me, then Oftentimes I go into, all right, how am I creating space again? How can we recreate this space? Because this other person, right? This person is also a powerful creator. And so therefore they have the ability to create and hold space as well. If we are in the moment, right? Outside of being in the moment or whatever this idea of in the moment is, everyone has their own idea. But I guess for me, if I'm not in session, in a space, and I can't quote unquote hold space and I'm creating space and I am doing my best in my human form to create space. And that means that I am trying to get out of my own way and get out of my own head. And oftentimes for me now, I found that that's me actually creating. So usually I'm creating something with my hands, making something now. I am either reading something. I am watching something. I am involved in something that allows for some space to be created. So therefore I can hold space eventually. And you let me know if that's helpful for you. However you answer is exactly how you answer and how <laughs> is what we need to hear. So that is perfectly fine from my side. Maka? Yes, uh, whatever happens, happens. I, I love all this you share about how you create space and you hold space, but especially because I, I think it can be useful for a lot of persons that are listening to us, even for us. Um, I would I would stay with this, uh, that everything is a practice and um, any way in, the, in which you practice your practice, it's okay and it's enough because I also feel that we are always... Um, Nowadays, life, we are always um, asked to do more or to be more present or to be more positive or to be more listening. And we do what we can with what we have. And, and that's something I love. And I, uh, But I want to switch a little bit the conversation because you mentioned, and just to wrap up, but um, you mentioned the intersectional uh, between being a woman and being a woman of color. And I think that I work on that topics a lot. And I really would like you create your own business. You create your own sense of being, your own practice. You share that practice with others. So that's amazing. You help others to build their gardens. Um, what uh, advice would you give for a, to a woman of color that wants to be her own boss, that wants to be a leader, that wants to achieve high position, decision-making positions in their lives? My... 
advice or words, and you can take it or leave it, is you will hear a lot about who you should be, how you should perform, how you should speak, how you should walk, how you should wear your hair, your tone, the color. (laughs) You will hear everything. And your greatest gift will be your ability to hear yourself. And even in the moments when you hear things that you don't even want to hear from yourself, allow space for it and simply allow it to pass. Because what you hear, you get to decide if that is what you want to wear that day. You get to decide if that's who you want to be that day. You are an incredible creator. How can you not be to still exist in so many realms, so many worlds where you are often the most seen and the most unseen? And yet here you are thriving in spite of it. Many of you will say that you are simply surviving, but thriving in spite of it. Because you are here, you are listening, you are creating, even in this moment, you are creating a possibility for yourself to look at something differently, to be something differently, to wonder about something differently. And it's never too late for you to create who you are, who you want to be, because it's never too, too late to remember who you be who you already were, who you always are, who you always will be outside of anyone's definition or constraint placed upon you. And so the remembering is the most important. The noticing your voice, noticing your nudges, where it shows up for you. Is it in your hands? Is that where the tingling happens? Is it in your heart center? Is it in your lips? Is it in your hair? Is it on your scalp or your crown? Is it in your feet? Where does it happen for you when you are in your most you? When you are flowing, when you feel most alive, when you tune out everything else in the world and everything feels timeless for you? When you look up and you're like, wow, hours have passed and I've been so enthralled in this. How does that show up for you? It may be you just letting you know that you are here. That your guides are here. That all of you are here. So remember, and in the moments when you can't, play and explore what that means for you. So we'll wrap up then with asking you to remember something because that was beautiful and thank you so in remembering who diamond is what makes diamond rock Hmm. diamond rocks because she is love and she is ease and she is wonder and joy she gets to create with that every single day. Diamond rocks because Diamond believes she rocks. And she is a reflection for all of those who also 
wonder if they rock too. And that's pretty badass. So, yeah. I'd say that's pretty badass. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that brings us to the end of our conversation. It's been easy and joyful and something that's, I think, inspiring a lot of us to try to remember who we are. So thank you for your time, Diamond, and thank you for being the badass that you are and so easily such a badass. Thank you for having me. I love you both. (laughs) Thank you for the conversation and all these uh, things you shared about how to look at ourselves and how to create space, I think, are very useful, not only for our audience, but for everybody. Um, Thank you for your time and for your energy. Um, Thank you all that's listening there our our podcast. Keep rocking, keep connecting with us, sharing your views and your sensations regarding our shows. We are here to keep building a strong community of perfectly imperfect women that rock around the globe. Thank you, Navisa. Thank you, Diamond. Thank you. She Rocks Global is a podcast collaboration produced by Macarena Botta, Nwabi Samayema, and Zoya Kukic. This season of She Rocks Global was recorded in the American Corner Cape Town, which is also where you will find our sound engineer, Tikrai Gekana. Theme music for this podcast is composed and arranged through a collaboration between South African musician Nosihe and Hannah Sagasa from Germany. Mixing engineer is T Luminous. She Rocks Global is a podcast that showcases the stories of perfectly imperfect women from around the world. Should you be or know someone whom you think we should be talking to, please contact us through our Facebook or Instagram or Twitter channels. Handle SheRocksGlobal. Hashtag SheRocks. Until next time, keep rocking.